also um, got some dogs and fosters. So it was a beautiful day. So you know, I can't complain. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right, everybody, Thanks welcome back me. to the Little Red Dogs podcast for the love of dog. I'm your host Sean. I'm here with the co-founder of Little Red Dog, Steve. Um, Steve, I'm pretty sure you've seen that video that's making the rounds right now. Um, there's an MLB team that has trained a dog to pick up the bats from home plate oh, and okay. bring them back to the dugout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but recently, um, the video that surfaced shows the umpire getting frustrated that the dog wasn't doing his job quick enough <laughs> and takes, the, takes the, the, the bat for the dog. Yes. And the, uh, the, uh, the audience in the stadium just loses it. The, the fans get pissed. Yeah, honestly, um, when I was younger, went to a lot of baseball games, AAA Major League games. I honestly, I don't think I've ever heard an umpire get booed so loudly and for so long over just the ump's expression. You know, it wasn't like the guy made a bad call. No, they were they were poor, really upset the second he grabbed poor the, the bat from the dog. I don't remember the the team. Do you? Was it? It doesn't matter. It was a Triple A team, but I don't remember if it was like I think it was in Vegas. Oh, I okay. think. Someone someone email me and tell me you know what it was. In. Anyway, well, it made me think. Um, it got me thinking about. You know, dogs that have jobs. Yeah. And um, this this past week, I was at work, and um, we had someone bring a dog into. Um, I work at Starbucks. We had a dog bringing a dog to the cafe, and okay. the a gentleman in the cafe was upset the dog was there, and it got me thinking. Um, I actually don't know the difference between all the different different kinds of service dogs, and right. um, I did a little research, and there's a lot that I didn't know. Okay. Um, so there's actually three different types of service dogs. There's uh, therapy dogs, there's service dogs, and there's emotional support dogs. And I think, um, in terms of my experience, I think a lot of people are lumping all of their dogs into the service dog category, and that's actually not correct. I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's a lot of confusion. I think a lot of uh, uh, owners or potential dog owners reach out to us and want to adopt a dog Um and they always say, I want this dog to be my emotional support animal. Not realizing, A, the amount of work that goes just into that. And that has absolutely nothing to do with being a service animal. All right. Well, I'm going to go over the difference, differences between the three categories. And then um, I thought we could talk about it a little bit. Because before last week, I didn't really have much of an opinion on it. Now I kind of I okay. kind of do that I've got a little bit more knowledge. Cool. Um, so basically, it's broken up into three categories. Um the first is therapy dogs. Therapy dogs have to go through um, a little bit of training. They have to have a certain disposition, a certain demeanor. Um, therapy dogs mainly provide uh, comfort. Um, they're going to be brought into hospitals. Um, they may be even brought in during disaster relief to kind of help people feel more comfortable. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but unlike service dogs, they're not protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act and cannot enter any business or place that disallows dogs. So that's the first category. The second category are um, actual service dogs. They are protected by the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, they're trained extensively as young dogs, I think even as puppies. They've got to meet strict requirements, and they have actually have to go through um, training throughout the life of the dog. It's um, very rigorous yeah. for the dog. Right, and right. these dogs are going to assist in wheelchair guidance. They might assist someone that's hearing impaired. Um, I think we've all heard recently that these dogs are also being used to kind of help... Um, uh, sense seizures in their owners before they occur. Right. Um, amongst other things. And um, because of their protection under the Americans with Disabilities Act, they can actually go anywhere with their human companion, including stores or places of business that disallow dogs for this reason. Correct. Um, but typically they're going to be seen with a vest or harness that distinguishes the animal as a service dog. And um, 
I, I think that a lot of people are calling their dogs service dogs when they in fact aren't. That's right. Um, and another distinguisher, um, when you do see a dog with a Vester harness that shows that they're a service dog, you should not pet these dogs. They're working. Right. They're on the clock. They're right. there to assist their owner. Right. Um, if you do feel compelled to pet the dog, um, you always want to ask permission first. Yeah, correct. And um, I think people assume since it's a service dog, it's the sweetest dog on earth. Not real, not realizing like us when we're in the middle of a job, you know, we're trying to stay focused. Right. It's a lot like that. Right. And so I think um, this third category, emotional support dogs, is probably what we're seeing the most of. Right. Um, they're not protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And to qualify, um, an owner has to obtain um, a letter from any licensed medical health professional certifying that the owner has a specific emotional disability <laughs> and therefore needs the dog. Right. Um, again, they're not protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And just like therapy dogs, they are not allowed in any um, place of business or public space that disallows dogs. Correct. So I think that's what we're seeing a lot of. I think in my experience, I mean, typically people bring in dogs pretty regularly to my place of work right they're calling them service dogs when they are in fact um emotional support dogs right and i learned a couple more things also i mean if you do work um in a public space and people are bringing in, in their dogs it was my impression that i couldn't ask if it was a service dog um but you can ask two things you can legally ask is it a service dog and you can also ask um is the service dog necessary um in helping you with your disability those are the two questions you can't ask right you can't ask for any proof. You can't ask for any um, certification, but you can't ask those two questions, which is news to me as well. And probably news to a lot of people that own restaurants or work in any type of you know food oriented you know business. Uh, you know, my take on all this, you know, I'm prejudiced in two ways. One, because we adopted a lot of bully breeds, and because of insurance, uh, you know, homeowners insurance policies, a lot of the bully breeds are not allowed. So you know, our workaround on that is. You know, we can tell people, look, you can have it as an emotional support animal, and then the insurance carrier cannot bother you anymore. But I think the problem is stemming from people are taking that knowledge and abusing it and taking their un-taught you know, uh, dog you know, to, to public places. I mean, right. yeah, and the other day there was something in Chicago or here, um, you know, a woman wanted to take her support animal and was licensed or she had a script to do so, I should say. Um, and the dog ended up, you know, biting uh, someone at the airport. I think it was a, a shepherd breed. But um, anyway, um, I, I think that people are abusing this category. Um, it's one thing to uh, dodge an insurance um, category, which, you know, in my opinion, the insurance category is ridiculous. Um I, you know, I understand insurance you know, really well. I understand the actuaries get in there and they do the math, but you know, I don't want to get into that. But anyway, um, in my opinion, these dog owners are abusing that, um, that aspect of the, um, the law. Well, to what be honest, before, before this past week, I hadn't really given a whole lot of thought. Um, I, I knew that people were, I think, abusing this policy and... Um, for the most part, I didn't really mind as long as people were bringing their dogs and they were clean, well-behaved. I didn't really have a problem with it. But, I mean, after learning what I've learned, I, I think the issue is, one, a lot of dogs that come into public places that aren't legitimate service dogs haven't gone through the training. They don't have the demeanor necessary to be around all these people. Correct. Um, and I think that creates a problem. And I think, furthermore, if you want to go somewhere 
and you want to feel comfortable and relaxed in like a public setting, I think it's fair to ask that like the dog does have a certain amount of training and does have um, a certain demeanor if they're somewhere that they shouldn't be. Yeah. And, you know, you know, in my opinion, yes, I think that if you do go to a public place and you do want to bring your dog indoors with you, there needs to be some sort of license or something proving that the dog has gone some some basic training. Because here's the thing. Most dogs just want to hang out at the house. Um, you know, dogs are a lot like guys. We just want to hang out at the house and we're kind of lazy. Uh, nine times out of ten, when the human brings the dog, it's selfishness. You know, the human just wants the dog with them. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily that the, the human has to have the dog because of an emotional problem. Well, that's what we're seeing, right? It's people, it, it's, absolutely. It's mostly just people wanting to bring their dog absolutely. with them wherever For they selfish go. reasons. Right. And the dog would rather stay home anyway. And the dog's not an accessory. Exactly. I get so tired of seeing chihuahuas and little, uh, little dogs in someone's purses. You know, it's not, dogs are not a show item. <laughs> well, that's what I'm seeing. They're an animal. It's, it's people bringing in their small dog yeah. to their purse, then telling right. us it's a service animal. That's right. That's right. And the, and the dog doesn't know it's little. The dog, you know, little dogs, they want, they want to do stuff. They want to walk. They want to run. They don't want to be in a little purse all day, you know. Um, but I could talk about that all day for sure. <laughs> um. Well, I, I did think it was interesting. I mean, I, I think we're seeing more and more people getting these um, certifications to bring their dogs wherever they want, certifying them as emotional support dogs. I'm also seeing more places kind of crack down on it. I think recently, especially um, uh, grocery stores are putting up notices saying you cannot bring your emotional support dog inside. It has to be a legitimately trained service dog. Correct. Because it, it just it does seem like it's so far reaching now. I mean, even... I've been at Starbucks for two years and it seems like I'm seeing dogs, multiple dogs come in and out every day now. And it seems like people are now starting to get a little bit annoyed with it. Sure. And, the, and what most people don't understand, it's more about the training for the human uh, than the dog. It's a combination of both. Um, you know, I can take a lot of dogs that I've never even worked with and strap a uh, a vest on them and I can probably be okay even with this dog I've never seen before because, you know, I'm kind of trained um, to get the best out of the dog. But most people that bring their dogs in, they have no no formal training on dog behavior. Uh, and it's not the dog's fault if the dog fails, you know, in a public place, right? Sure. Yeah. So it's a combination of, of knowledge from the human and getting the right dog. I mean, you know, as much as I say to admit it, you know, we have personally, you know, the little red dog... PJ and I, we have two dogs. Um, we can pretty much take Bella and Tank anywhere, but Nigel, the the Chihuahua, um, again, he would really just stay here, you know, and he's going to lose his stuff what? <laughs> if we take him anywhere. And as someone that loves Nigel, if I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be around him in a public place. <laughs> no, because he's just going to be, he's going to go nuts. Well, and that's just his demeanor. It's not. His right, fault. right, and the joke is in the in the dog training world. If you want to be a dog trainer, don't own a Chihuahua. And so Nigel's a Chihuahua, but he's a good boy. So do he a good boy? Do dog owners need? <laughs> he's all right. Do dog owners need? <laughs> do dog owners need to bring their dogs everywhere? No, no. And nine again, nine times out of ten, um, it's a human being selfish. Not, no, don't get me wrong. You know, I there's, I can count on one hand how many people I've met in my lifetime that truly need an emotional support animal with them 
and they're highly trained in dog behavior and the dogs that they that they utilize are very well trained and 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 well behaved works awesome and it's a good good thing and i don't want to see that ruined because of of the stupidity of in this case the majority (laughs) well i mean regardless of the owner i mean there are therapy dogs and they're emotional support dogs, and they're also service dogs. And I mean, only service dogs have gone through the training, exactly. the certification, exactly. And they're also necessary to the owner getting around and living their daily life. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the video of the dogs that are helping people that are having seizures, but it's it's pretty amazing. It's it's cool stuff because these dogs actually can smell um, when their human is about to have a seizure. It's 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 pretty cool. And in that case, I mean, a service dog needs to be with their dog, Absolutely. with their owner, twenty four seven. Absolutely, and should be you know allowed to come into any public space. Oh, I agree. Um. All right. Well, I think we finally got to the bottom of <laughs> these three different groups. Well, I, I think it's cool that you cleared it up. I mean, you even taught me a little bit. So I mean, anyway, cool. I thought it was interesting. I really yeah. know a lot about it. I mean, no, I agree. Again, like you're hearing more and more. Like I have a service dog, and it, it's going to stay in my purse with me throughout the day. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Thanks to all of you for listening to For the Love of Dog, brought to you by The Little Red Dog. Um, As a reminder, please review and subscribe, and you can donate by visiting thelittlereddog.com. Um, from time to time, uh, Little Red Dog, having been around as long as it has, gets some pretty, um, some great feedback. It also gets some <laughs> negative feedback. A lot of negative feedback. Um, this week, we've chosen to highlight one of our um, more negative emails. Um, <laughs> and I'll let Steve with the background on this one. Um, you know, we, uh, it was an adoption event, and um, this family um, who, you know, touted their knowledge um, of dog behavior and wanted to do the the right thing and said all the right things and very enthusiastic family um, seemed to understand you know discipline um, their children were well behaved which is you know something that we always like to see well she adopted a dog from Little Red Dog and she sent me this very nice email of which I've chosen <laughs> to read the third paragraph of this very long email now before Sean reads this keep in mind that it was an adoption. It was an adoption event. We did uh, adopt this woman. We had talked to her before. We talked to the entire family and decided it was, a, it was a good fit. So go ahead, Sean. All right. The fact that you all did not do a home visit uh, to me seems that he is clearly too large for our home, which is not fair to Mac. Seems lack of due diligence on your part before approving the adoption. I understand where you're coming from. And yes, I did consider everything prior to adopting him. Granted, I was with him for just over an hour. In that time, he was obedient and wonderful. But again, he was on a leash the entire time, and we never had a chance to see him in our home, which is why I believe that home visits are crucial and give everyone, the pup and the potential adopter, a chance to see how their daily life will be. When my mom rescued a dog from the pet rescue, they did a home visit to make sure the dog was comfortable, and it was a good forever home for her. We saw saw her at an adoption event, 
and she was not allowed to just take her home, and most likely for this very reason. In addition, they included a five-day trial period for everybody's sake, because you don't know until the dog is in the home if it is a good fit for the family. So basically, um, you are not as good as the pet rescue. <laughs> you... you <laughs> Owners are incapable of figuring out the dog's too big before they get there. Right. And dogs, Math are, going, is hard. <laughs> dogs are going to be the same uh, as they are at an adoption event when they get home. Right. And what's really irritating about this is, A, you know, we, of course we do home checks. We normally do them after the fact. In other words, we do let the family um, take the dog once we know that they're not dog hoarders. And Little Red Dog has a very... Um, well-known and trusted formula for determining if a dog is too big. You take the dog's <laughs> weight, size, girth, girth. You, take, you take their girth, you right. then take their the square footage of the home to determine if it's satisfactory. Yeah, so basically keep this in mind. So what she's basically saying is, you know, we let her take the dog home. By the way, we make it as easy as possible to adopt dogs. Once we believe that you are fit mentally and understand or willing to understand dog behavior, we let you adopt the dog. And then we do the home check later um, to let the dog kind of, you know, get acclimated with the family. We've never gone into someone's home on the home check after the dog's been there and removed the dog. So basically this is what she's saying. She's saying you should have came over to do a home check you would have realized that our house is too small and then you would have removed the dog. And like, she wouldn't have fought us about that. And which you the, do all the time. Which You're we always have. taking dogs out of homes because yeah. the home is too small. You can't own a dog and be in a small place. Yeah, and the thing is, she has two children and she lives in a very nice area. Um, if memory serves, she lives in Ladera Ranch uh, in a home. Okay, so her home is at least, the very least, 2,000 square feet. Okay, but regardless of size, can you own a dog uh, in a small place? Absolutely. You know, we've adopted um, dogs, big dogs, to people who live in an eight hundred square foot unit. But the family realizes their biscuit better get out in the morning and the afternoon and work the dog physically and mentally. So yes, it can be done. Big houses, big backyards are nice to have, but they are not. You know, it doesn't mean for sure that you are going to have a successful. Um, relationship with your dog just because you have a huge yard and a huge home. Well, and then uh, as soon as you get home, the dog should be totally normal, completely comfortable, <laughs> immediately integrate itself into the family system, correct? Yes, of course, Sean. I mean, you know, when, when we move anywhere, you know, as humans, if we move anywhere new... I'm immediately comfortable. You are immediately, absolutely, you are. I'm used to it. That's right. That's right. And it, this woman was being ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's frustrating. And what makes this job so hard, it's not the dog's. It's not the dogs that makes this life, this this thing so difficult. It's the it's always the awful children that they have to deal with when they get. <laughs> it's home. the humans. It's always the humans. It's very frustrating, as you know. As you know, Sean. so what you're saying is that when a dog does get home, it's going to take some time to acclimate. Yes, just like you know, just like any of us, right? You got to give us a minute. And and this woman started her complaining within 48 hours. Actually, what was really interesting is she sent us a very sweet photo of the dog with her two uh, boys. Um. And then 24 hours after that, we got the, the nasty email, you know, and we hadn't done our due diligence and, and we're horrible, horrible people. Yet she showed us a photo uh, of Mac with her two sons. Very, okay, so how long, how long should people give the dog to acclimate? We actually give them um, a boatload of, of uh, things to read upon uh, adoption. And to answer your question, Sean, we always tell them to give them about 10 days of quietness 
don't have a lot of people over, don't take the dog everywhere you go at first, let the dog have like 10 days of just quiet. Um, I would say 75% of the people we adopt who listen to that advice, um, you know, they kind of get it, but 25% don't. And out of that 25%, I would say 10% end up returning the dog because they don't they didn't listen or they lied to us about their their dog behavior knowledge. So typically when a dog gets home, it's not it's not going to act the way that it's always going to act. That's no, not its baseline. No, and we always tell people, you know, at adoption events, um there's a lot going on. We work the dogs a little bit before the events so that they're not, you know, their energy level isn't, you know, over the top. Um at the by the end of the events, the dogs are tired. And sometimes, you know, the families will see the dog and they'll think, oh, this is such a, you know, a docile dog and uh, chill. And we'll tell, we'll tell the family, look, you know, you're seeing the dog at its best, but there's a lot of work that was put into this to make the dog tired. And this is the kind of work that you're going to have to put in as a family, you know, every day. Um, I don't think people really understand how much work goes into, uh, you know, raising a dog properly. To be what, honest with you, it is work. You're not just taking it, someone home to work. hang out with. No, it's not. It's not a cool lamp, you know. <laughs> so it's it's it takes a lot of work. It is a purse accessory, though. <laughs> a Nigel can be. <laughs> All right, Steve. What events does the Little Red Dog have coming up? We have a big um, event here in Lake Forest at Pittsburgh Park. It's our Founders Day um, event, uh, June first. We're inviting uh, vendors. If you're wanting to be a vendor, please uh, check us out at thelittlereddog.com. Email me and we'll we'll hook you up. There's also uh, um, sponsorships available if any companies are, are interested. Um, it's one of our bigger fundraising events throughout the year. It's uh, a lot of fun. There's going to be live music, uh, great food. Um, there's going to be things to there to to do for our four-legged friends as well as our two-legged friends. And any adoption events coming up? Um, I believe our next one, uh, oh shoot, you caught me off guard here, Sean. Um, I know we have one next, one, next month. Go to our events page, thelittlereddog.com, click on events. I believe there's one in May. And then again, our big event in June. And it almost seemed like we had it together for this entire Well, I podcast. thought I did. I didn't read what I should have said. Anyway, but that just means you should go on our website anyway and check it out. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. That's another one in the books for the love of dog. Uh, as a reminder, please review and subscribe uh, to donate to Little Red Dogs. They continue saving dogs throughout Orange County. Uh, please visit thelittlereddog.com. I'm your host, Sean. This is Steve. Thanks Thank for you. listening. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.